Welcome to the Inside Data Center podcast. I'm Andy Davis, and in this podcast, I will interview the people working in the data center sector and tell their stories. If you are working in the DC sector or you are looking to work in the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Inside Data Center podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jim Connerton, the CEO of Nautilus Data Technologies. Morning, Jim. Good morning. Real pleasure to be on the show. Thanks. I'm really looking forward to this one. Big fan of Nautilus from afar. I think most people have probably seen your floating data center in the news at some point. So I'm sure the listeners would love to hear a lot more about it. But before we kind of go into detail, do you just want to give a quick introduction of who you are and what your role is at the moment at Nautilus? Sure. I'm the uh, CEO of Nautilus and I've been uh, in this role now for five years. Uh, And I started as an advisor to the company when it was a white piece of paper and a brilliant idea by our founder, Arnold McGale. And that was how many years ago now? So that was uh, almost seven years ago. Yeah, so a bright idea, and now it's a a living, breathing data center. Well, it took a lot of thought uh, and then some imagination. Of course, then all all the things you have to do as a startup to get your prototype pulled together, get your first locations, line up those investors. Uh, and it's uh, it's been a nice, steady uh, path to success, and I'm just glad to be here today with a fully commissioned, um, fully compliant data center in operation. That's it. Excellent. What I always like to do, just to get a bit of an idea about yourself as an individual, is just go back to the beginning. So how did you start your career, and how did you end up in the world of data centers? So uh, it's a connected arc. I've always been focused on the topic of industrial sustainability. Uh, And believe it or not, I'm a recovering lawyer, uh, but during the 1990s, I was uh, one of the lead negotiators of the ISO 14000 International Environmental Management Standards, uh, and then uh, traveled the world all through the 90s to every kind of factory, petrochemical facility, mining operation, forestry operation, you name it. I've been where it's been made and uh, doing on the ground environmental management system work. So uh, I just had a great career as a lawyer, believe it or not, you know, running around factories and, and industrial processes, um, just making them a lot more sustainable. Uh, that turned into the coolest job I'll ever have, uh, which is the uh, chairman of the White House Council on Environmental Quality as the Energy, Environment, and Natural Resource Advisor to President George W. Bush for all eight years of his administration. Uh, four years at two of America's biggest, cleanest, competitive suppliers of electricity and gas, uh, Constellation Energy and Exelon. Uh, where we also had a venture fund that invested in new tech, uh, and I oversaw that. And uh, one of our investments was called C3.ai, which is very early into artificial intelligence and machine learning. So I picked up my bags and went to Silicon Valley and joined C3 when they were ready to go to market. Uh, and that's important to the data center sector because this is, this is the software that drives the hardware that's going to deliver on smart grid, smart city, telemedicine, you know, all of these really important social welfare outcomes that we're all working on, but it all needs to sit in infrastructure that can support it. And so we were the heaviest, earliest use case on Amazon Web Services uh, when it was just starting. And um, that's where I became deeply uh, focused on data center operation performance and sustainability uh, and really saw where we are today. You know, I, I, we, I saw it was coming along with Arnold and others that uh, we need a new approach to data centers to handle uh, the demand that's coming and the need that's coming. Yeah, and sustainability is the, the buzzword, isn't it, at the moment? So you're, you're kind of well positioned from that perspective. But, and I would, I would guess that 
you've learned a lot from your other industries that you can bring into data centers. Yeah, and that's the key um, learning. So I came from all of the other sectors. So I'm not a data center guy, although the rest of our team are, you know, the, it's the A team from the data center sector. Um, but I had experience with nuclear power stations, petrochemical facilities, water treatment facilities, uh, shipping. Uh, and so in all of the other sectors that generate significant quantities of heat, uh, they do their cooling with naturally cold water. Uh, in fact, it would be preposterous to <laughs> use chilled air uh, to try to accomplish their cooling. And so for me, when I came into the data center sector, it was fairly obvious to, you know, to ask the question, why aren't we water cooling these things? Um, and while there was a lot of talk of liquid cooling, that was mostly focused on inside the rack, um, not how do you create the, you know, the chilling for the entire envelope. And so when Arnold and the team approached me, um, our other founder, Chad Romine, uh, with this idea that, you know, let's try to place the data center at the water and use the water, um, I immediately said, great, count me in. That makes perfect sense. I already know how to do that at nuclear power plants. Certainly that can be done for data centers. Yeah, and I think that's amazing because I always talk about how there's a lot of value in other sectors that we can bring into the industry. And I guess you're a living example of a major change in the industry that has taken the knowledge that you've learned from such as nuclear sectors and brought it into data centers. And was that the, the reason Nautilus was founded then? Was it that, you know, we can see that there's a demand for what we need and the industry doesn't really make sense from that perspective. So is that what triggered the original idea for Nautilus? So there are four drivers, okay? And certainly sustainability was, was a major focus, but the primary driver was looking ahead to high performance computing for all. Okay, and so we, you know, everyone knows, you know, the heat load in the rack is going up, the computers are getting more powerful uh, and delivering more benefit. And so the more powerful they get, you know, they might get, you know, uh, 10 times more powerful and two times hotter, right? And so you could see the, the, the temperature climbing in the rack for important reasons. Um, and then everybody knows there's sort of an electrical wall and then there's a cooling wall when it comes to chilled air. And if you just forecasted forward five or six years, seven years ago, um, you could see where we are today because it's just a straight Moore's law curve upward, uh, the line upward, not, not a curve upward. And so the big question was, how are we going to cool these more powerful machines at scale? You know, not like a national laboratory, which is very bespoke and very particularized, but how do you democratize uh, access to higher performing computing? So that was the, that was the you know, overriding driver. And then when you do that, how can you dramatically compress the energy footprint? You know, and, I, and I, I, in my whole career, I've always gone for, um, you know, of carbon abatement scale energy efficiency. And so we're not talking about how do you improve the energy you know, footprint by one or two or 5%, how do you improve it by 20, 30, 70%? Okay, so that's what we focused on. Sustainability writ large then, because you know, the dirty little secret of data centers is in addition to being energy hogs, they gobble up tons of water and it's usually drinking water. And there's no way the sector is sustainable globally if it's competing with people for drinking water. That makes no sense. Um, and of course, with that comes the wastewater production. And why should a data center be tapping into a wastewater system at all? Uh, and then uh, the hidden way in the back of the data center is, are the refrigerants, which are continually being phased out. And as they get phased out and replaced, the substitutes are less efficient. 
and the substitutes tend to be more greenhouse gas emitting. And so um, there's a big liability risk to the, any presence of refrigerants in the data center um, over time. Uh, and so we wanted to go after that. And of course they're noisy inside and outside. So how do you get rid of that? And so that's the sustainability piece. It's a big issue. Uh, and then the fourth element is flexibility because uh, we want to close the digital divide. And the only way to close the digital divide is to bring digital infrastructure, including data centers, to people who don't have access to it so that the smartphones that they all own are no longer dumb, right? So there's billions of people around the world that have access to smartphones, but not access to the infrastructure that makes them smart. So, so it's four things, uh, all valuable. And the nice thing is uh, we've now demonstrated you can check all four boxes uh, and save money. So not a bad equation. No, definitely doing great, doing great things in the industry. No doubt about that. And obviously, we talked about it briefly, but using the natural cool water seems like you know an obvious solution to a problem. But I'm, I am very sure I'm no engineer. But what were the challenges around actually making that a reality? How did you go from you know the idea to, like you said, you've got a living, breathing, floating water cooled data center? Yeah. So, like any. Um any innovation that involves physical technology. So, um, you know, not software or biotech, which is a whole different equation, but any soft, anything that involves physical technology at scale, high volumes, lots of electricity, you know, you've got to be quite thoughtful and very experimental and quite rigorous in your methodology of invention. And so while all of the systems and methods that we use are very well practiced in all of the other sectors, there was a lot of engineering art, you know, to, you know, making 10,000 decisions to produce the 100 things that we do inside the engineering to make the whole system work uh, against the standards of compliance that the sector requires. Right. And so um, so it was, you know, not for the faint of heart. And, you know, these are capital intensive inventions. So, uh, it, uh, you know, it took us took us some time um, and a lot of engineering and re-engineering and rethinking and precision. Uh, and um, even even in the last three months going to commissioning, uh, we actually were able to squeeze an additional megawatt of capacity into the design at no extra cost, just with some really clever, th you know, rethinking and re-engineering right at the end. So. So we're, we're, we're in a solid place, but we still have a significant improvement curve in front of us. And um, it, again, it's just good old fashioned elbow grease and a lot of uh, creative uh, engineering minds. Yeah. And do you think that there'll be more technology that comes in over the you know, next sort of 12 to 24 months that will mean you can adapt even further and become more efficient or increase capacity further? Yeah, we have a clear line of sight, um, I would say, to at least a 25 to 35% improvement on what we've just done. Okay, so we did a prototype and then had a big leap forward into the commercial uh, beta facility that you see that you will see on our website. Um, and then uh, and then from that, we now want to move to a sort of a production product. Okay, so the idea for us is to make water cooled data centers mega modular capable of being nearly fully pre-manufactured and then delivered to a location. Um, and to be able to handle anything ranging from, you know, 200 kilowatts to 200 megawatts. Okay, so we, we're going to use a form factor both for a land-based build or for our signature floating version of the data center. Uh, we're going to have um, just a whole new refresh on the material selection, uh, the resiliency of how we put it together, 
Um, we have a ton of efficiency in assembly and labor that we can accomplish um, you know, after this first one, which is quite bespoke. Right, the first one we did was quite bespoke, uh, and so and we've got a great team that comes from the data center sector that's been thinking through that in the in the more conventional architectures, but there's actually there's much more room to um, to do mega modularity with water cooling than there is with conventional architectures. So uh, we'll have a leap ahead there as well. Yeah, modular is the way the industry is going anyway, isn't it? Even the hyperscalers are looking at more modular sort of build now. So you're kind of ahead of the game in that element. And like you say, and then you when you add in the the water cooling element as well, you're you're kind of creating, I guess, creating the future of where the industry is going. Yeah, and then you know you think and because we'll continue to borrow from the other sectors, right? You know, uh, power plants, water treatment plants, as I said, you know, chemical facilities. These are highly resilient pieces of shoreside infrastructure. Uh, shipping, right? So there's a lot of learnings into this next phase that we can we can bring into um, the next uh, generation of what we're creating. Um, and the nice thing is it's tried and true. So it's just a question of how, or how cleverly and capably are we adapting it into the envelope that the data center requires. Um, but you can do it with confidence that it will work once you get the pieces right. Yeah, definitely. And to a customer, to your customers, what's the benefits of, of them going with you as opposed to a standard on on land data center first it's a data center so they've got no worries in terms of uh, reliability security and performance uh this does what they expect do you do you on that do you have to explain that do they do do people kind of expect it to be different because it's because it's a floating data center notwithstanding the great skill in the sector um this is not something they've seen before and so everyone comes naturally questioning i don't say skeptical Actually, um, there are very few skeptics, but they come questioning. Okay, and so um, and that's that's almost everyone. Uh, and the key for us in getting to this point and getting commissioned is we can answer the core question, which is yes, we'll meet all the standards of reliability, security, and performance. So that's out of the that's that's out of the way. And then 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 the question then the conversation gets really interesting because the first thing we tell them is how future proof we are. Okay, with the, the ability to know coming into our facility that whatever the, the chip and server manufacturers can create in this new second wave of invention, right, as we move sort of beyond, you know, through and beyond silicon, um, they can know coming into our facility, we can handle any load. So we already, the, our first facility can handle 55 kilowatts of rack. Um, but if you just extrapolate the engineering, we can easily handle over 100 kilowatts of rack. And that's well beyond anything that's on the drawing board right now. But what that also does, it means the customers and then their equipment providers can more flexibly um, create the hardware to meet the, the, the higher requirements. We, we, there's a chicken and egg problem. In the absence of a facility like ours, everyone was looking at that 17, 20 kilowatt wall, right? We just opened the door to a whole new uh, capability and flexibility. So let the machines get hotter. It's okay because we can cool it. So that's that's the key piece. And then they all care about sustainability now. Um, mostly focused on energy and carbon, okay? But it's now increasingly showing up in the news. You guys have been writing about it too, which is the water consumption's a problem. The wastewater production's a problem. And, and actually I've been surprised, uh, but not, you know, not too much about the you know, recent you know, news reports about noise. Just, you know, and they're sitting in commercial real estate areas, whereas we like we like the working side of town. So, so data centers need to move next door to the other industrial players 
and, and get out of the office office building land. Yeah, and I think we're seeing that a lot in Europe at the moment where cities such as Frankfurt, Amsterdam, London are going through a process within government about regulating where data centres are built because, like you say, they are scattered across cities, whereas it kind of makes more sense if they're centralised out of the city in a certain area. Well, and another way to look at us is, um, you know, we are an ESG machine because in addition to hitting the E piece, uh, the environment piece, um, we are perfect for redeveloping brownfields. Okay, so we can we can take a brownfield and convert it to a green tech field. Yeah, I was going to touch on that as well because I think when I, when most people probably think of Nautilus, they think of floating data center because that's kind of what you've created. But I was going to touch on you. Know, that's not just what you do. I think it's good to explain like that element of of your organization and how you can move the industry forward on a brownfield site as well as a floating data center. Yeah, and the key is um, you know go to where the other infrastructure already exists. Uh, all of those engineers have already found the most resilient locations. Uh, and then put up an industrial facility. Uh, and so um, the nice thing then is uh, folks who are losing jobs in those communities, which is happening, um, you can re- we can restore really good jobs, uh, not just for the data center workers, but also for the businesses that like to be you know, located proximate to them. Um, we can repurpose these industrial locations. As it turns out, there tends to be more available power uh, in these locations. And as it turns out, that's where most of the fiber runs before it hits the city. And from a latency perspective, you're the same distance to the population of users on the industrial side of town as you are on the commercial side of town. So, um, so there's no, you don't have to sacrifice any of the other requirements. Um, and then, uh, you know, and then as you, as we all know, data centers like to cluster and when they do, then others cluster around them and it becomes a really virtuous um, cycle for these communities. And then with edge computing, which I call the core, because to me, the end user is the core. Um, So for edge core computing, um, what we do is perfect to tuck into every major population center. Yeah, definitely. And from a digital divide perspective, you touched on it earlier, I can see the benefit of of how you build data centers with respect to improving or decreasing the digital divide. But how are you having an impact on that already? What are you working on that's going to have a major impact on, on that element. Yeah, so we, we know from prior experience that um, you know, emerging economies uh, have a tough time getting infrastructure put in place. And uh, you know, well, way back when, 20, 30 years ago, you know, there's a whole burgeoning business around the world of power plants on barges, okay? And, and you know, getting the capitals of East Asia and Africa and other places, you know, giving them supplemental power that was needed as their economies were booming. And their populations were booming, and then, um, then now there's a water treatment plants on barges, and now the, then there's uh, there's actually housing on barges. Uh, so there's a, there's now this whole industry in the maritime world that's used to delivering infrastructure on floating platforms, and so a data center is a perfect way to get into the emerging markets um, more quickly, uh, resiliently, and also with a high degree of security, a much higher degree of security. And as it happens in the emerging markets, their best real estate and their most secure real estate is actually in and around their ports because that's where all of their economy is. Uh, that's where all the power is. 
And so uh, again, um, the you know we take advantage. We try to be sort of harmonious with the reality of the world, uh, as opposed to cutting against it. And so this is a great way to to bring it in. The other thing is the landslide version or the floating version, because it's mega modular. You know, in terms of setting up the facility, you know, almost everything is prefabricated and factory tested. So then you just need to train people to assemble the data center. And that's just a lot easier to pull off in markets that aren't used to putting this kind of infrastructure together. Yeah, definitely. And that's one of the key challenges. When I talk to other developers about building in new regions or developing regions, one of the key challenges is labor because there is no skill labor at putting up a data center when there, where there isn't a data center. Sounds obvious, but I guess you can you know, fly your guys in, they can modularly construct it, or you can train people that are there and it's kind of in and out quite quickly. That's right. And, you know, again, for our, you know, data center compatriots, you know, just simple things like we don't need a raised floor. You know, just the architectures are simple. You just give us a concrete pad and let's uh, pop up the pop-up building and, and modularly uh, deploy all the equipment. Ah, definitely. And with regards to the future, obviously, the environmental impact of data centers, again, we touched on it earlier, it's, it's becoming front-page news, as I always say, as opposed to, sort of hidden away and you know, everybody wants to know about data centers now. How do you see the industry evolving with regards to managing that environmental impact over the next few years? So the industry is taking a very important first step, which is necessary but not sufficient, which is buying more green power. So the sector is doing a great job of leading the way on um, you know, low carbon procurement. Okay. Now, as I said, that's necessary but not sufficient because you shouldn't be wasting the green power. Right, and so uh, with our first facility, um, our cooling system is seventy percent more energy efficient. So, if you're procuring green, then um, uh, what that means is on net we can extend that green procurement another thirty percent. So that's that's thirty percent more carbon abatement, um, even with the green procurement. Of course, if you're buying brown power like coal or gas, then you're getting you know a huge a huge chunk of carbon abatement as well. But it's, it's the same. It's the same because of the added efficiency. So that's step one. The other thing is, of course, all that water consumption consumes a lot of energy. There's energy to pull the water out, to treat it for drinking water, to deliver it, to do the retreatment, to put it back in the wastewater system, to retreat it in the wastewater system, and then put it back out in the water again. So ironically, air-conditioned data centers consume water, and air-conditioned data centers actually move tons of water, um, whereas we don't consume any water and we move water less. So, um, you know, that's the other irony of the uh, sustainability of the engineering that we've done. And what about, one question I was gonna ask, the environmental impact on the, the lake or the river or wherever your data center is, is there any impact on the water itself from a temperature perspective or anything like that? That is the key question. And the wonderful answer is there's no harm. So the nice thing about data centers is they're medium grade heat. So compare a data center's heat load, even 20 megawatts, right, or 30 megawatts, to a thermal power plant of 500, 600, 700 megawatts. Okay, so if you think what, what we're doing is we're rejecting the heat into a large water body, it immediately dissipates. Okay, and then there's tons of actually ironically too, there's evaporative cooling that occurs naturally as opposed to mechanically. Uh, and so, again, these are well-practiced methods. There is no place in the world where the data center heat load from water will ever cross a regulatory threshold of concern. And so, and we've just proved it. We're in California. California has the most stringent thermal discharge standard in the world. 
and we come in at a 10x below the regulatory threshold? So the answer is no. <laughs> yeah. No impact. And what about the future then for, for Nautilus? What's next? What's next on the agenda for you guys? So we are, um, um, as ever, we're raising capital and we are um, targeting, we have uh, uh, two campuses uh, ready to go um, in uh, Ireland and in New England. So stay tuned for those. Uh, so we have all of our um, all of our entitlements to get moving on those and we're putting the capital together for that. Uh, one of them is really cool. We're gonna co-locate with a hydropower facility. Um, uh, the, our current data center is one of the greenest data centers in the world. Uh, the New England facility will be the greenest data center in the world because it'll be hydropower and we're gonna co-locate with that facility. Um, and that's very exciting. And then the um, uh, and then we are now uh, well along in identifying about, I guess it's 10 other locations because our goal is to be situated globally so everyone can experience the technology. Uh, and then we hope to you know, open up what we're doing and, and, join, and, and venture, joint venture with uh, local developers uh, is our objective uh, because, you know, this technology is transformational. You know, all data centers in the next five to 10 years are going to be water cooled. Okay, so it's just a question of come see us and we can, um, we can accelerate your pathway to water cooling by five or six years. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, we want to, we want to, you know, we're committed to making the technology widely available. I mean, we've patented everything, but our goal is not to hide it. Our goal is to, uh, is to transact on it. Uh, and it's very important for the world that we do it uh, because data centers are now eclipsing lighting. So data centers are going to consume more energy than lighting. LEDs have already cut the lighting footprint by 70%. Data centers need to cut their own energy footprint by 70%, at least, at least. So, um, so I think it's very important now that we've proven it can work, and it does, um, I'm just hoping that everybody starts taking a much harder look and not just taking a look, but actually acting, acting on it. And for a developer, it's great because uh, we're simpler to build, we're cheaper to build, we're less expensive to operate, and we've got more locational flexibility. So if you're a developer planning a traditional air-chilled data center, um, find a place near the water and come talk to us. Yeah, and hopefully they will. And I, th I think it's amazing what you're doing because I think these stories are what the industry needs to share because there's a lot of not don't say negative media, but questionable media about what the industry is doing. But the industry is doing some amazing work as well to try and improve the environmental impact, improve the sustainability, reduce the water usage. And we just need to shout about it a bit more, I think. I think that's right. And the great thing about this sector is the, you know, the people producing the software, you know, they tend to get all the attention. But the best engineers in tech are in the data center sector. And, and so, you know, once, once they see what we're doing, they get it, you know, there's a, there's just a wonderful enthusiasm, just a wonderful enthusiasm. And okay, I get it. Okay. This is, this will solve my problem. And engineers, um, you know, they love it when, when, you know, things come along that solve their problems. And I think also with young people, you know, obviously I, I do a lot, I do recruitment in the industry and I talk to a lot of young people that want to get into the sector and they're really focused on improving the environmental impact of, of whatever it is they want to work with. I think, the way that to sell the industry is you can come in, you can make a genuine different difference to the way of life and the way that you know we use water. That's a big sort of driver for young people these days. You know, I love that point. You know, if you think about it, that most of humanity's time has been spent trying to find water to drink. 
And then in the last several you know, hundred years, it's been about energy, you know, to, um, to sort of um, uh, enhance our lives, but it's uh, data that enriches our lives. And young people want to be for tech, uh, and the, uh, but they, they don't want tech to be damaging. And so, um, so this, this uh, rings that bell too. We already see this in the young engineers that we've been hiring who've been doing amazing things. I mean, uh, they're, they're, they're engineers in their 20s who are on patents and who are you know, working on this, the first iteration and the second iteration, and they are just uh, happy as clams um, um, to be uh, you know, advancing the tech. Yeah, and it's amazing. And, you know, what, what a great thing to look back on at the end of your career to say, I helped create that. You know, it was a game changer in the industry and I was part of it. I'd, say, I'd certainly love to be part of it if I was, a, if I was an engineer, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's great. And it's, it's great to see them. Um, and, uh, and it's the global footprint of this. This tech is important. You know, so it's as important as water and as important in energy. Uh, and so this, it's, uh, you know, uh, the critics of the sector have it backwards. We need a lot more data centers. They just need to be a lot cleaner. And, and they can be. That's the beauty. They can be. So there's no, there's no trade-off there. No, exactly. Definitely. Really enjoyed that conversation. Before we finish up, I just one question I ask everyone on my podcast, which ties in well to what we've just talked about, about young people in the industry. But if you could give one piece of advice to anyone looking to work in the data center industry, what would it be? Uh, it would be to um, think big. Think big. Uh, I think uh, uh, nothing, nothing more than that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the second one is understand uh, without the plumbing that the data center provides, there is no tech in the world. Yeah, I think that's a key point and a great point to make. I think it's, you know, we all, like you said earlier, we all use tech all day, every day, but to understand what is behind the tech is really important now because that is the industry that's going to take us forward over the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years or whatever it may be. Yeah, and by the way, maybe this is the, the good place to end on, which is it is this tech that is going to consolidate and process the data that will drive all of the rest of sustainability. Okay, so making the data center sustainable is not the end point. The end point is more powerful computing that can give us the information we need to make the rest of the world a lot more sustainable. And that's that's a 100x environmental, social, and governance benefit uh, on top of the data center improvement. A very good place to end the, end the conversation on. <laughs> But I've really enjoyed that. I think you've painted a great picture of Nautilus, what you guys are up to. As I say, it's clearly an amazing, amazing technology. And I'm sure all the listeners will, will love to learn more about what you're doing. And hopefully we can help spread that message and tell the world that, you know, there's a lot of good things going on about the environmental impact of data centers and you're a key part of it. Well, thank you so much. Real pleasure. Thanks for, uh, you know, giving us some focus. Uh, we're just... Uh, we're uh, all out working hard and uh, look forward to a lot more uh, conversations with a lot of counterparts. Yeah. Cheers, Jim. Thanks very much for your time and have a great day over there in the US. Thanks so much. Take care.